Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. It's Thierry already! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the bottom bar! Back to Arsenal! That's an Arsenal! Yes! Get in there! Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast, episode number 14 with Alexander Moneypenny, my good friend, Bradley Adams. Lovely singing. How you doing, Brad? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling good. I've um yeah. I've been doing some some voiceover work and someone's nice. someone's tried to swindle me out of some money. So I was I was a little bit I was just Have writing an ang- I was writing an angry email. Ooh, uh, but uh, I'm feeling good. Bastards. I'm feeling good. How are bastards. you? Yeah, no, I'm I'm great, mate. I've had a just it's been a busy Sunday. Been I've rejigged my room, resorted out my room. Uh, went into Clapham, had a walk around some shops. It's been a nice day. Are you revealing your location there? No, because I don't actually live in Clapham. There you go. The mystery continues. The mystery continues. The plot thickens. Where does he live? I do have a question for you though, Alex. Oh, Brian. I, I heard. Nice I saw this. Yes, I will. I saw this spicy question on Twitter. Um. Okay. If you would, if you had the choice you had to keep these three managers you had to keep three of these four managers and get rid of one all of them in their prime who do you get rid of okay you have sir alex ferguson jose Mourinho, arson wenger and pep guardiola who do you get rid of as in as in you you erase them from history Oh, as in, if you you have three, you have all four of these managers at the peak of their, or or ha, let's let's make it. We'll, we'll we'll we can do two versions of this. If you had the choice between all four of these managers at their prime to take over your club, who would you choose? And if you if you were going to erase one from history, who would you choose? That is a great question. I know my answers. Would you like me to go first? No, no. I think we... I've got. I think I've got one. Okay, so You've got one? Okay. it depends where. Okay, so if we're where they were, there were Jose, Arsene, Pep, and Sir Alex, yeah, yeah. So I would erase Sir Alex from history because I think then Arsene would have won more titles. Fair enough. And I would get Pep to take over now because I think Mourinho's outdated. I don't think Sir Alex Ferguson would be as good in the modern era. Okay. Um, and I don't think Wenger would be as well. So that's my answer, Brad. Fair enough. No, I I can. See. What did What did you do? I, um, I would erase Pep Guardiola from history. <laughs> Why? Because I I personally like this. And this is a, this is a, a little spicy hot take for you. I Pep Guardiola is one of the best managers in the world right now, but I do not believe that he has been anywhere near as successful 
as any of those other three managers would have been at their primes with the teams that he's had at his disposal. Yeah. He's... I don't think I don't think you can call him a flop because you, I mean he's won what two Champions Leagues he's won two Premier Leagues now he's won the Liga he's won the it was Fraudiola yeah. Fraudiola in the first season Fraudiola <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say he's a fraud because obviously he has had some achievements but if you look at everything he's done he's gone to the best team in that league that is already winning that league and most of the time all he's done is been able to continue them winning that league you know City had won the league before he got there yeah. They've dropped out of the Champions League in what was their best opportunity to win the Champions League while he's been there. Uh, he went to Bayern the year after they won the Champions League and didn't manage to get even to... Maybe was it, Did they even get to a semi-final while he was there? And I think that if you are raising somebody from history, I think if you... Like Sir Alex, and I hate to say it because I do despise Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho at his time and... It's Jose. And... Jose. And they call me Jose. It's Jose. <laughs> and Prime Wenger all brought so much to the game. Each one of them yeah. influenced the game in so many ways. Wenger brought the tiki taka yeah. style to England and really developed it and focused on beautiful football. Jose came with a, a different philosophy of at the time which which worked at the time, which was you beat the big teams one nil and you park the bus and you keep them out and then you can blitz the smaller teams because the smaller teams were nowhere near as good as they now are because of money in the Premier League and then you look at Sir Alex Ferguson I don't think it can ever be disputed that the man brought so much to the game when it came to man management when it came to ta- like mm. that man had won a match before and anyone adaptation as well yeah like that man adaptation. had won a match before anyone had ever stepped on the pitch you knew like I remember I watched at the Emirates Arsenal United, I watched a two-all draw in which Cristiano Ronaldo scored a tap-in and I watched it happen. And I like I went to the game knowing like if we get a point out of this game, we will be lucky. Because they they just had that and this was at a time where obviously Arsenal had lost that mentality, but they just had that kind of mentality around them when everyone feared them, which is what doesn't happen doesn't really, you know, doesn't really ring true for United anymore. But yeah, if I was going to erase one from history, it would be Pep. Uh, and if I was going to have one in their prime take over now, it would be Pep. <laughs> Which is the irony, isn't it? Both answers are Pep, because I think that I think you're absolutely correct. As much as Jose's um kind of tactical way of playing really worked in the early noughties. It's a bit outdated now and they're playing some good football at the moment, but I do think that like they've been found out before and they will be found out again. I think Wenger as well is one of those people that if it wasn't for Sir Alex, we'd be talking about him as the greatest manager of all time because Sir Alex was the only person mm. keeping the titles away from Wenger for a lot of that era. Mm. And I, I think the same with Sir Alex. I think all three of those managers were phenomenal in their times, but now in the modern day would not be able to cut it to that level. So I, both of my answers are Pep. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know what I think it is with Mourinho, right? It's like, I watched that all or nothing and there's a real difference for me. Mm-hmm. This is like business school 101. Between creating a culture of like accountability and creating a culture of like respect for each other and creating a blame culture. 
and the kind of like the 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 Son v Larice stuff. Um, he like he likes his players to fight, and he likes his players to kind of get up in and around each other, which is which is fine. Yeah, and actually, it probably gets you short term success and gets you one off games. And you know, we'd I'd always say like if I was if it was like a World Eleven via World Eleven, I'd I'd bank on the Mourinho team every time because I think he can just get a reaction out of his players. I think he's a a master of that. He can get. He's the, He's one of the. He's one of the best knockout cup managers ever. Yeah, it's incredible. But but what I'm what I'm saying is like that blame culture or like that kind of like going from like accountability and everyone lo- looking out for each other and being responsible and being respectful and all that sort of stuff, which is is key for me. When it tips into blame and when it tips into, if you watch that Spurs documentary, he 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 stokes the fires. Yeah. And you watch, you know, whether it's Casillas or whether it's Ndombele last year or whoever, like... Deli Alley this year. Playing those games, Deli Alley this year, playing those games, there always seems to be a Mourinho scapegoat or, the, or a Mourinho meltdown. Um, I can't remember who it was at um, United, but I'm sure there was someone. Um, but, you know, it, it. I think it might be Mata, wasn't it? Yes. Anyway, the... Maybe. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point, ha, the point I'm trying bastard. to make is that... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, it was just it was just one. It's just one of them. Just one of them. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, I think I think that kind of like that blame culture is is yeah, it, it kind of creates over a long period of time a problem, and I don't think you can do that in the modern era. I think mm. players are more aware of what they what they bring to the team and a bit more. And I I hesitate to use the word like sensitive or different or like the game the game's gone soft because I don't think that's true. But I think players know their worth a bit more now and they're a bit more like, well, actually, no, you need me. <laughs> like, Yeah, player power's at like an all-time high. Yeah, less of a cult for personality by manager and, and more of a um, a team a team spirit, which uh, I, I personally prefer with my soft liberal views. I would also um, say that that's why the, the wheels tend to fall off around the two and a half, three year mark. Because if they don't, if they don't achieve a version of success that they want to, they're looking at it and they go, well, we're at each other's throats. It's not harmonious. We're, you know, ruining the atmosphere in the dressing rooms. We're all really unhappy playing a style of football that, though they're winning games at the moment, isn't pretty. It's, you know, uh, and that's why maybe that it tends to have that breakdown because it it creates this idea that anybody's up for grabs and you can go for anybody's head. And as soon as... You're like the manager's always the head on the chopping block. So as soon as the players realise they can turn on you, and it's your it's your fault rather than theirs, they'll do that. And that's why he probably goes after about two and a half, three years because he can't really outlast anywhere now doing that. Yeah. Should we discuss some Arsenal, Brad? We shall discuss some Arsenal. Let's that was a good it. chat, though. Great chat. Great question. Uh, okay, so this week we had the Edu interview. We did. Uh, which came out, um, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, I think overall, before we sort of get into the specifics of what he said, it's an interesting conversation to be had around like that idea that he wants to be more communicative and open with the um, with the fans. And I think we're seeing that. I think, you know, if you, I can't imagine Kazidis or... Sanyehi or even or even Wenger sitting down and doing that kind of style of interview where he yeah goes into it and and talks about it. and I think he, at one point he says like at one point I want to show you how we do the transfers and yeah I I I can't really see any 
any negatives really with that because I go like, well, you're 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 letting fans in, you're giving people a kind of an insight that they want to know, mm-hmm. and probably monetizing it. And secondly, you're going okay, you know, you're you're setting up more of a relationship with the fans. Going, look, this is this is what we do. This is how the things work. When when we're taking three weeks to negotiate something, this is why because all of these things have to happen. I think some people think it works like FIFA career mode. Um, or like a football manager where yeah, exactly. you know, a contract doesn't have to be written up in exactly. football ma- whereas exactly. like you need lawyers to write up contracts and exactly. all parties to sign it and all that kind of vibe. Exactly. And and I think like that's why I love like those like deep dives in the athletic and stuff where they just go into it and it's like if it turns out, you know, someone randomly met at a pub and like if that hadn't happened then this incredible deal you know those sorts would of never you know, have come off exactly and and, and you realize that it's as complicated and as confusing as mm-hmm. as everyday life bread um <laughs> but yeah it's 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 one of those things but yeah i um and i thought he spoke really well like overall yeah he's a very articulate man like he he knows what he's talking about he knows what points he wants to get across and he does very well and the drip is unreal it is it is the drip from both of them we've I like the drip is now saucy. that we've sacked off that unai bloke we've gone from having like arsen wenger one of the drippiest managers of all time his fashion sense was on point other than when he was wearing that long coat the meme of the coat yeah but the suit he knew he yeah but wenger just knew the suits he knew the suits were, were oh, alive, you know I mean? oh and yeah and then you know Mikel and edu they know how they know they know what's going on, but um, no, I've, I'm really pleased with it. I one thing that I think that fans have been kind of languishing in is just this idea that we know nothing about what's going on inside the club. Yeah, and feels like that's changing. Even though it it yeah, even though it may not be the information that we actually really want to know, at least knowing some information is better than nothing. Yeah, and just that clarity of like you know here's the team that here's who who does what here's Hus Farmy who we never yeah. heard of all the you know here's this person here's that person here's where we sit and negotiate and if we you know, here's like our player liaison officer like on the Arsenal on the um uh, the Tottenham documentary I think it, just all that stuff is is fascinating because yeah not only does the average football fan get to know more about their club which they obviously want to know but you also as I say you understand more mm-hmm. I think um. In terms of specifics about what he said, I mean, it was all kind of, you know, we've done the right stuff and we're we're happy with what we've done. We're ambitious. Blah, blah, blah. I think for me, the interesting part was when he was talking about players um, and the, you know, I think he sort of went, um, you know, it's he like slaps his legs and he's like, they have to be good here, but also good here. And I love that. That's a terrible impression of Edu. Speaking of impressions, by the way, just a slight tangent. I'm going to play some of my football impressions at the end of this episode. For God's if sake. You, no, 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 Brad, right. I know it's like awful self-promotion, but genuinely, because I, I just, I want to get some feedback. I want, have you listened, good, have you listened to them, Brad? I've li- I have listened to them. Yeah, you're saying you've listened to them with your hands over your face. So I, there are some, ab- like, there are some absolutely perfect ones in there. And some more dodgy And then ones. like your Sean Dyche one just, just sounds like <laughs> you've got like a cough. Okay, okay. I'll, like, t- I'll take that. I'll take that. Do you know what I mean? Your Sir Alex is bang on. It is. It is I'll class. And the and the same with Brendan. Brendan as well. Brendan is is absolutely. All right, cheers. All right, okay. Oh god, well, what was listen. the other one? Jamie Carragher. That was a class one as well. Okay, stick basically stick around to the end if you want it. We're also going to be announcing the giveaway at the end. So um, well, stick it at the end and let me know what you think. Anyway, he said basically about the mentality, and I think something that potentially we have been guilty of is signing players um who are incredible technically um but don't necessarily have the mentality and the kind of 
the winner's mentality. You know, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an easy kind of Gary Neville on Monday Night Football thing to st- to say. But all the all the physical attributes as well. I think that's something that we massively lacked. You know, yeah. I, I, somebody, I, uh, I watched. Um, this was when uh, football had just come back, and it was free on like ITV. And I watched a Norwich match, and it, Todd Cantwell, and he was playing really well. And the commentator put it perfectly in that he said, Todd Cantwell is an Arsenal player of old in that he has decent technical ability, but zero physical attributes. And we are so used to signing midfielders, especially who are great technically, you know, they have the technical ability. You think of the Santi Cazorla's, the Samir Nasri's, the Cesc Fabregas's, all of those, even the Granite Xhaka's. You know, they've got good technical ability. Granite Jacker's pass on that left foot is great, but he does not have some of the physical attributes needed to play in the Premier League mm. as a two-man pivot or even as a one-man DM. So, But I think it, it's more the mental side of things. And I, th- I think like like Jacker is like where I, you know, I think he, he's, 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 he seems decent mentally. Yeah. But I think you're right about like the Nasri's and the, and the Rosicki's and the Fabregas's. Like they're amazing technical players, but they don't quite, and yeah, and we're, we're addressing that kind of physical profile that we've missed and as the, where the game is going in terms of power and pace. But also, we're, with, with who we're looking at, we're addressing the mental side of things. You know, Absolutely. so many times you'd watch Arsenal players down tools. Mm-hmm. You'd watch Arsenal players. Didn't Gallas just sit down in the game? Yeah, no. And uh, like uh, just before Alex Oxley Chamberlain went to Liverpool uh, and he turned down 180k a week, we played against somebody. I think it might have been Liverpool, actually. And on a, one of the breakaways from one, one of their goals, uh, he was just like jogging back. Mm. And like there was a there's a, um, a tweet that popped up that went, this guy has just turned down 180k a week to stay at Arsenal and he's not even bothering to sprint back. Yeah. And things yeah. like that. And I do, I do agree. So often you would see heads drop and that would be the game done and we'd lose it by four and then we're gone. Whereas now, if we, when we went down, you know, when we went, to be fair, when we went one nil up against Liverpool, I was like, "Great, this is going well." Then when we equal, they, they equalised. I was like, "Okay, do you know what? It's not a surprise. They have, they deserve the goal. They have been dominant, yeah. but we're still in the fight." And even at two one, I was still kind of quietly confident that we could still snatch a result off of the Premier League champions. Yeah, you don't feel that kind of like massive, like "Oh God, we've lost it now" kind of thing anymore. Yeah. I, I don't think. And you know, I think what. Um, like the Newcastle four nil to four four kind of game springs out. Like you know you're yeah, and I'm sure all these guys are really nice, and I'm sure they're really lovely people or whatever. But like that, you have that different like that that to use a Twitter football Twitter phrase that kind of killer mentality. That, Absolutely, like, that you know just the will to win, and I think that's why like a Wilshire was loved so much in that era mm-hmm. because he looked like he bleed for the club. Do you know what I mean? And he yeah. and he would yeah. and he would run in and. and <laughs> Potentially to his detriment, he would it's dive in, Keen, and he would, it? yeah. And, and and as I think you can go too far down that road in terms of just like just basically buying meatheads, but I think there's a there's a nice balance to be found with 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 what we're what we appear to be addressing in the market at the moment. Definitely, definitely, especially in that midfield and 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 and, and centre backs. Absolutely, because you need somebody like that who is going to, you know, will us to win and. And lead us to victory. And like it's like I'm I think Aubameyang's a great captain. I love the fact that he stayed. But one thing that I I he's for me, he's so nice. 
And I would love my captain to just be... It's the, it's, it's the Roy Keane, isn't it? I, I personally think, you know, Roy Keane's one of the most underrated footballers of all time in the sense that everyone just sees him as this, like, aggressive meathead when, like, the guy could really play, especially in that DM role. Like, he was absolute quality. But again, it's the Patrick Vieira in that not only were they technically gifted footballers, they were brilliant footballers, but they were leaders and they were absolute... Yeah bastards in the sense that if you did not get give 110 percent for the club there and then they would call you out on it and that would be an issue or if there was an issue on the pitch they would be the first people over like shoving people out of your face like it's that mentality that we have lacked we've we've seen we've been easy to turn over you know Troy Deeney said we lacked cojones and I think that's the thing we have lacked for so long having somebody in especially in the midfield because I feel like that's like the it's I mean it's Hmm. another twitter phrase but like the engine room of things we have lacked that dominant because i mean people wouldn't tackle man united players for fear of being on the end of roy Keane shouting at them and shoving them in the face and there's a quote from one of the refs that said roy shouted at me once so i gave a free kick in his favor yeah but yeah i think and 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 i think we're making the same point about like it's not that every signing needs to be a six foot five monster who who dives into tackles. It's just no. that when you're building a squad to have that awareness of the mentality and awareness that, like as you say, mm-hmm. you know the the cojones comment, like that that awareness of what Arsenal is viewed as, and also the way like this like our disciplinary record is mad because we. I think uh, I, I'm absolutely pulling this out of my arse here, Brad. But I think <laughs> it was something. It was something like we were bottom of the of the disciplinary record in terms of we had the most yellow cards. And I was like, we're not like last, last season midway through or something like that. I'm sure, I'm I'm sure someone knows what I'm talking about, but midway, we are not a massively physical team. We're not. No. And the fact that we had one of the worst disciplinary records in the league and Liverpool had the best, um, is an indication that like, okay, there's, there's a, there's a physicality. There's a, there's a, there's a, 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 um, a perception of Arsenal that goes round of like, you know, mm-hmm. of that, you know, if you get up and again, and I, and I think it's the kind of the Stoke thing as well, isn't it? You know, if we get up and against these, we'll be fine because they, they play their nice tippy tappy football and we can get in. But anyway, it's, it's good that Edu has, has noticed that and Definitely. Or appear, appears to be aware of it. Cause I think it's, it's important and it's important for us to address it. I do think some of that will be to, to do with refereeing though. Cause I think, I know it sounds dodgy to say, but Liverpool do get away with a lot. There's been some challenges that I've seen float around off like, and it always comes up. It's the same challenges in that, you know, Mane will get away with something and then Twitter will do the rounds of every challenge that Liverpool players seem to have gotten away with. And I'm not saying that other clubs don't, but there is definitely, the refereeing in this country is just so poor. So it it doesn't surprise me. Definitely. I think something else that was interesting that came out this week was there was a distance covered metric from the big six so far this season, um, Arsenal top with 112.1 kilometres run per game. Uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, Tottenham, Man United uh, were the rest uh, in that order. Listen, you you can't tell much from how far a team has run, right? It's all about the results and how a team plays. And, you know, it's not... It's not a um, oh look we're running more we we must be we must be physically getting better, but I think you know something that is free is fitness and something yeah. that is free is is determination and the will to run for the team right mm-hmm. you don't have to sign players to make them run I mean some players are better at running some people players are better at covering the pitch covering those spaces but you know 
I think the the addressing the the physical side and the, the what we potentially lacked physically um, is important, especially, and especially to play Arteta's system. Um, I think it's um, it's important, and, and it's important to address that physical side because ultimately you have these unbelievably. <laughs> I played um, <laughs> I played football on Thursday night, and I literally played for about five minutes, and I had a dizzy spell and had to sell the rest of the game mate i was done and i was i genuinely in the middle of um in the middle of the uh of the of the game i thought i'm never criticizing a player ever again because <laughs> i was like this is so fucking hard but no my point is you have these unbelievably fit guys much fitter than me absolutely who and and that that is free johnny you yep. don't have to be to run that much and to make your players as fit as possible with the with you know i always think that that should be the first thing that teams should be looking at how can we be as fit as possible through our training through our signing of players through our you know whatever you know we've got to be the fittest team in the league or be aiming to be at least yeah absolutely and i agree with you i do i think and as i think it's an underrated part of the the kind of sport is distance covered because it just shows that you're covering space you know if you're yeah, and if you're playing kind of this park the bus football that everyone seems to think Arteta is playing at the moment, you wouldn't be covering that distance. You wouldn't be. Because realistically, you'd be soaking up the pressure for 30 minutes and hitting one long ball over the top. And how are you going to cover the most distance of the top six if you're doing that? So I I think it's it's great progression because I feel like we were... I'd love to see the kind of statistics of the Emery era and then of the yeah. last few years of the Wenger era to kind of make a comparison yeah. between the two. But it seems to me to be at least a little bit of a positive step towards kind of bettering our kind of physical approach to a game and getting it on a par with the technical level that yeah. we also want to play. Definitely. So this week we've had the <laughs> calling it the pay per view scan. I've put it. I put it down on my notes as the pay per view scandal, which sounds like some kind of OnlyFans, yeah, sort of thing. It's just, it's just, it's just the Premier League. And we've had a question from. Um, <laughs> this is perfect. Come on the ass hey. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the pay per view. Uh, anyway, so uh, we've had a question from Come on the Arse, who is at Arse Come on uh, Twitter. And uh, they have said £15 for the pay-per-view game seems pricey, but then does the fact you wouldn't normally be able to watch them mean the Premier League can charge what they like? I think it's only the match-going fans that have cause to complain. Perhaps the answer is season ticket holders or members get some sort of discount. Yes, so this was the news that the Premier League uh, were essentially the games that aren't going to be shown live will now be available on BT Sports box office and Sky Sports box office uh, that wouldn't have normally normally have been picked as a kind of interim solution um, for the fans not being in the stadium, uh, but they are charging 15 quid for that service. Um, good shout from us, uh, from Ask Come, Come on the Ask, about the uh, season ticket holders potentially getting a discount. Yeah. Um, but yeah, o- overall, Brad, What's your thoughts? I on have this? very strong. I have very strong opinions on this. Here we go. Um, Buckle up, kids! It is, it's time to get saucy. It's utter greed. It is utter greed. I think if you were, here's the issue: all fans of Premier League clubs uh, with season tickets, after every match is played that they are not able to attend at home part of their season ticket or a percentage of their season ticket should be refunded because 
say, for example, you pay a thousand pounds, right? You're paying a thousand pounds to watch 19 games at home. And then it's normally like five cup games. And if you're in Europe, maybe three European games. And obviously the cup games and the European games are difficult because you can't really tell as to kind of whether your team would have gotten through, wouldn't have. And where, are you getting, where are you getting 19 games at home from? 19 games at home. There's 20 teams in the Premier League season. You play them at home and then you play them away. So you play 19 games. Ah, yes. That is called a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that if you're running a system where if, if people, which I know they have, have had to pay for their season tickets, they should be refunding every game that they are physically not able to attend unless... Uh, even even if they start running this system where you where for example season ticket holders can watch the games online for free because you think you're pe- you're not just paying a season ticket to go and see the match you're going there to be live you're going there for atmosphere you're going there to be with your friends you are paying a premium to go to a live sporting event it is it's not a substitute to watch it on your telly at home so first off it should be free for all season ticket holders absolutely and after every live game is played behind closed doors, part of their season ticket should be refunded. I think this is non-negotiable and it's disgusting All right, Mikel. that this is even a conversation that we're even having to have. Now, for other fans, casual fans who might go to a game every now and again or aren't paying for a season ticket, I think £15 is steep, but it's no surprise. They've got a monopoly on the market. I said in a podcast maybe two or three podcasts ago that it would be really great if we could have this kind of NBA system where if you pay a few hundred pounds, you get to watch all of your team's matches online. Uh, and it, it almost like a digital season ticket, except for it would be for home and away. But I don't think it's a surprise that it's cost 15 quid. Obviously, you know, things are expensive. You know, we've got the Sky subscription. We've got the BT subscription. The, it's it's greed of course it's greed the people that i feel most sorry for though are the season ticket holders who have paid to watch these matches they've already paid and they're now being asked to pay again on the basis that they might get a refund for their season ticket but if the season starts back up and they're allowed back in the stadium will they be refunded for half their season ticket if they've missed half the season do you know what i mean i just think that there's not clear conversation about what there needs to be real clear conversation about obviously 15 pounds is steep to watch a match of football i don't disagree with this but they've got you bang to rights because nowhere else is offering this service you've got sky and bt they're gonna price gouge yeah yeah i i agree i think i agree with i agree with everything you said but i i just think it's stupid like as in like they're, they're all all they're doing is going to push people to illegal streams i'm sorry i'm oh, no, sorry of course they have of course they have i i'm i'm not until they unleash a service where i can either unleash. watch every match online for however much of just arsenal or i can do whatever i'm i'm not gonna we we discussed it we've discussed this before right like a like a a, a netflix yeah a netflix of football or whatever you pay a subscription or you pay for just your team or whatever it is that that is clearly the long-term solution and i and i hope the monopolies of sky and bt are kind of broken up and they can provide that service but you know through you know via premier league and so it's better for the for the everyday fan I think we need to get it off of Sky. Yeah, we need to get it off it, of Sky and BT because the issue is, is especially Sky, Sky not only requires the Sky Sports subscription, but you then need, you also need to have a Sky TV yep. subscription to get access to Sky yep. Sports. So not only are you paying for the Sky Sports, but you're paying for Sky TV. I don't want Sky TV. I'm a 24-year-old bloke just trying to like get by at times. Like I'm not 
in that financial bracket to be paying for Sky TV and Sky Sports. If they made it five quid to, for example, say like all fans can watch single games for five quid or whatever, like you can log on, make a Sky account brilliant and stream for five quid i i promise you most people would do that if you have they would to make have, more if, money if you have to have a sky tv subscription and then on top of that buy a box office for 15 quid oh no 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 i don't think that's how it works i'm just talking about as in you as in when you have sky sports as in you pay for a sky sports package you also have to have sky tv so not yeah, no, you... so, no, no. So what I'm saying, so I'm, I'm saying oh, you, ha- you, ha- you have to, you have to pay for your Sky TV and your Sky, subs- your Sky. So you pay, wait. So you have your Sky package, which gives you Sky Sports, and then on top yeah. of that, you're paying for the box office from your Sky to, to get even more, right? So what I'm saying is, fuck that, because they're going to make no money off of that. What I'm saying is, pe- people have their Sky Sky packages and they get their matches, and then you offer an open to all service. Of for five, six, seven pounds, something like that, you get Sky for that on your on your tablet, or you get Sky Go, and you you can log on. You don't have to have a Sky Sports package or anything, and you can watch that. I promise you, I promise you, the everyday fan would pay five, six, seven, eight quid for a, a proper stream with the whole service, and then that's it, and you just get that game. I would, of course, I would, but unfortunately, because I have to get a Sky Sports package plus fifteen quid, no. Yeah, of course, I would, I would. I'd happily pay, as I said before, I'd happily pay that sort of price point for a decent stream. But I think pe- people, we as and we said in a previous podcast, we pay 10 quid for the Carabao Cup stream. But it's stupid. It's just money grabbing. This is the thing as well. Like, I wouldn't, if you worked off the basis, say, for example, with this kind of NBA style thing where you do, I think it's like $180 or something and you get to watch and stream all, I, I also could be chatting out of my ass because I looked at this a long time ago. Um, because I wanted to watch some basketball matches, uh, you could just say, okay, let's say it's £500 for the year. Realistically, if you're looking at, oh, okay, maybe f- let's say it's £450 a year. It's like £38 a month or whatever, and you get to watch all of your team's games. That's basically £10 a match anyway, £12 a match, realistically. That's not ridiculous if I'm kind of saying, okay, I'm going to get to watch all of it. I mean, this, I'm also saying it's not ridiculous because I'm a realist and I'm well aware that we're all, they've got already got us by the balls. It's not going to be much cheaper than that. It's going to be like 350 quid. If, if this ends up coming into fruition, I reckon it's not going to be as cheap as kind of 150 quid because they're off. They'll be offering you so much. Like they've, they've just got us by the balls. Yeah. But, if they offered us a service where it's like 350 quid or even, okay, let's say it's 10 pounds a match. It's a 38 match season, 380 quid. And they chuck in your Europa League and your, and your Carabao Cup and FA Cup games for free. You know, you look at what, 400 quid for the year. So it's just shy of 40 quid a month. I think most fans of most would, would, if they could afford to happily pay that for decent streams, 35 quid a month. Just for decent streams, you get to watch every game. And also, it just, like, me and you, for example, one of us would have an account, and then we would just go around the other person's houses and watch the match together. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that would be a, almost like a decent price point for, you know, this is, again, what we would hope it would be priced at. I mean, we'd hope it would be priced at, like, 150 quid so that most people could afford it. But if they did that, they would make so much more money than if they just... Mm 
because they they gouge they price gouge so many people out of watching mm. football, and it just it does just become this elitist thing where only people yeah. who are middle to upper middle class and above can afford to watch the football. And this is what I mean, mate. Is is like all this does is exclude more people, make more mm-hmm. accessibility problems, makes makes more people mm-hmm. around the world. And think about it: the Premier League is a global brand. It's a global brand. So Massively. people around the world. Are they going to be logging onto Sky Sports box office with a Sky account and having to all do all that faff? No. no. They'll just go on their favourite streaming sites. It's just so tone deaf. And and, and I, it's kind of, it's that thing of like, well, we're, it's almost, it sort of reeks of arrogance to me of that kind of like, oh, we're Sky, we, you know, people will pay for what, you know, whatever we say. No. They can do what they can do what they want. They can, the thing is, is they can do what they want because they've got us by the balls. And this is what I mean. Like, I'm hoping that it would be something like 350 quid because I'm also well aware that people in this country want to make they want to make money so they'll price it as high as they can physically price it and still get mm. the maximum amount of people into in in through the doors yeah. yes annoying it's a sh- i think i'm really i really feel for season ticket holders especially they're being absolutely shafted so i asked shivank who is at pressing trigger on twitter to come on uh, he's written some articles for lt arsenal um, really good football tactician on Twitter, someone I'm learning a lot off and mm-hmm. uh, um, appears to be kind of on the way up in that all, of stuff, all that sort of stuff. So I'd love to get him on at some point, but he has sent me... Yeah, for like an actual chat. Yeah, it'd be great. But he has sent me a uh, a deep dive into Thomas Party. So I thought we'd just have a little look. So yeah, all credit to at Pressing Trigger on Twitter for this. Go give him a follow, all that kind of vibe. So yeah, some Thomas Party uh, information, which I think is really interesting and... Um, we should we should have a look at now. So he plays as a right central midfielder in Atletico's four four two block. His main attributes are defensive awareness, tackling, and high success in aerial duels. Um, his aerial duels is very high compared to Xhaka. And I just want to have a look at that because, like, aerial duels feel less less important nowadays. I think because teams tend to play out from the back big teams tend to play out from the back big teams tend to play out from the back but is could be a big advantage against some smaller teams it could be a big advantage in our set pieces our set pieces us trying to improve i think we have got a way to go uh in terms of us being dominant from set pieces from aerial positions um mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it, and especially in comparison to what we already have in jacka it, it seems like a step forward yeah no i'd agree i think it complements. Look, I've, I think I've said this before as well. So, I, and I always say this, and I'm sorry for harping on and saying that. You know, I've said this in a previous podcast. Go give them all a listen. Uh, but I don't think Granit Xhaka is the caliber. I think he's gr- a good footballer. But do I think that we would win a Premier League with Granit Xhaka in the midfield? Probably not. So we need to kind of improve that area. And he, Thomas Partey, improves all of the attributes that Granit Xhaka lacks. He's got good defensive ability, great in the air, but can also pick a pass, cracking long shot. Uh, I think it's great, you know, because we 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 for so long have been a team that kind of hasn't had physical presence. So to to have signed a centre back who's now got physical presence, and to have signed a midfielder who's got physical presence, that spine of the team is looking strong. You know, if you go Leno, Gabriel, Party. And then Aubameyang up top is like a spine. Like it seems like a very, very strong start of how we can move forward with this. I'm really excited. I can't wait to see him in an Arsenal shirt. And I think he will, 
he will give us the opportunity to play the way that Mikel wants us to play because he will add that kind of awareness and solidity. And because he's he already speaks fluent English, mm. he'll be able to talk to the players who have already bedded in and kind of direct them if he sees danger or at least understand in the early days what's what's kind of trying to be achieved and uh, yeah I, I i rate him i'm so yeah. i'm so happy we signed him it's exciting uh Schmank's also gone on to say when atletico press high uh which they do on goal kicks and against lower opposition they usually do it in a 4-3-1-2 shape with one of the midfielders stepping out to join the forwards party is usually the deepest midfielder of the three or the second line of the press in this scenario so i think that kind of avoids us getting hit on the counter press as much i think that's been mm-hmm. happening a little bit uh here and there i think you know against teams with pace especially against liverpool it kind of offers us up that option to play in a different way and to take the game a bit further towards them i think yeah you know, often we've seen in those sort of those big games against chelsea and liverpool and man city in, in the sort of tail end of last season we saw a team that felt reticent to push forward because I, I don't think it I think it knew its frailties at the back and it could get hit on the on the counter mm-hmm. and if party's going to sit and, and drop and be that sort of press resistant um sorry counter resistant um player that's that's exciting it allows us to play in a, in a slightly different way I, I don't think I can say more about how happy I am we've finally got this kind of profile of midfielder you know, it's something we've been crying. Like, it feels like as Arsenal fans, we go through phases of crying out for certain things. You know, for years, we were crying out for a striker. Uh, and then for years, we've been crying out for decent centre-backs and a decently strong midfielder. And it seems that we've done two in, in a window in getting Gabriel and party through the door. So I think it seems to be... Like, I haven't felt this much positivity as an Arsenal fan since maybe 2015-16 when, mm. you know, I remember the result. God, was it at Leicester where Danny Welbeck scored in like the last minute? Make it 2-1. Yes. It was on Valentine's Day. I remember that. Like, like you genuinely thought at that point, like this is it. It's turning around. We're going to win the league. Like, and we obviously didn't, but like I have not felt that much hope and that much kind of excitement and adrenaline for games since then and you're talking four years so it's Mm. it's it's massively massively positive step forwards in terms of squad building 100 there's a i think also what you were saying there about like sort of players that we've been crying out for right like party and and i'll combine this with a question from steven uh Brockhausen, sorry if I've got your name wrong again, mate. Uh, we didn't sign that creative midfielder, and with Ozil locked out, is it worth trying Saka there in the Europa League games to see what he can do, or will Smith Rowe be given a chance? Uh, should we play with the back four? With uh, should we play with four at the back? That is, um, and I think part just to continue with what um, um, Shavank said, uh, Shavank said on uh, on party as well. I think there's a kind of a, a combination here. He's talking about basically that he he understands space very well, can spot runners in behind. His dribbling ability is kind of impressive and underrated. Uh, he can get out of one-twos to get the ball out of tight areas. Um, his common moves are lobbed through ball in behind, which is perfect for Alba, and diagonal switches to the right flank, which will be perfect because we overload the play on the left. And I think we, we were crying out for that creative midfielder, but to add a bit more creativity, add an out ball from deep, I think means 
you know in in party i think i think what i'm trying to say is i think we've added more creativity to the midfield than, than maybe we think i think potentially people think of party mm. as, as a as a not enough yeah not enough but more but a, a, certainly more and and i think those those balls especially so we don't over, overload the left too much and that could those kind of diagonal balls out mm-hmm. to bellerin and, and pepe on the on the switch um when they when they're in some space i think it's exciting and i think there's a there's obviously a need for creativity and to come back to Stephen's question yes I think we should try Saka there yes we should try Emil Smith Rowe there but I also believe that Party might add a bit more there in terms of creativity and 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 we might have a bit more of an outball option from there from that position I think he 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 comes out and he's completed a lot of dribbles he can come out of 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 that um of that midfield sitting deep and and play and I think as much as the creativity is a worry, as much as the Ozil situation, which um, we shan't go into, is a worry, there's a real opportunity here, I think, if we play the right way to see Party kind of contributing creatively as well, or certainly progressing the play and progressing the ball. Yeah, uh, I also think there's one player that we're forgetting in this scenario, and that's Danny Ceballos. And if we remember him for kind of Spain's under-21s, uh, and that kind of era of his career, he was playing in a much more advanced p- position and uh, is a, a quite a creative player at times. So if we were to transition to a 4-3-3, it just means that we now have the room to push him further up the pitch. Now, we've discussed the Ozil situation. Yeah. I think, obviously, in my opinion, he should be registered and played, for Christ's sake. But we'll just ignore that for now and we'll act like he isn't part of the squad. But we have a perfectly serviceable attacking midfielder in Danny Ceballos that we can push that slightly further up the pitch and play that kind of Xhaka party pivot with a more roaming playmaker-ish kind of type in Ceballos who will also do some running and do some defensive work. So I think we'll just have to see, maybe this is the signing that could unleash a Ceballos. And then if we don't, you know, and maybe we get somebody in January or maybe we get somebody from the lower leagues. Because in this interview with Edu, um, uh, no, not in the interview with Edu, sorry, I'm I'm getting confused. Uh, I've I've been watching some interviews recently with kind of like pundits, uh, with footballers and with managers and stuff. and And people are saying like, the transfer window isn't closed. We can still sign players from the championship. And there are some perfectly serviceable options in the championship for the meanwhile. And... We will have to wait and see what happens when the championship window closes. Now, I don't think we'll sign anyone because we're obviously already at our limit squad-wise. But there is talk that Ozil might be able to be moved out in January. And if he's moved out in January and a few other players are back to fitness and maybe moved out in January and we've got some squad room, you might see an attacking midfielder Mm. coming in January. And that's only about, what, eight, ten weeks away? Yeah. So I think it's just something we'll have to wait and see what kind of way we're going to play when parties bedded in and if we do transition to that 4-3-3 it would be great to see Ceballos in a more advanced area because it's no wonder that you know Enketia got that goal winning us the game uh oh god what mm. match was it what match was it when Ceballos West Ham we have West Ham where Ceballos makes that darting run through and squares it for him so it is no surprise that yeah that he might be able to do and if, that and if Ceballos and if Ceballos yeah if Ceballos knows he can push up you you wonder what he can do because mm-hmm. he's a gloriously talented technical footballer um 
and similarly to Partey. Just to finish on what uh, Shevank has, has said, he's, uh, he's just put some slight concerns. Uh, he commits too many fouls and can lose the ball in deep areas when the opposition press high, although that could improve with Arteta being a more possession-orientated coach than Simeone. Yep, potentially. I think uh, I think what's interesting there is how we're going to deploy that midfield three. And I think it, it feels it feels like it will be Xhaka, Ceballos and Partey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult to know. I think Arteta may may play with a two or maybe may transition to a four, two, three, one with, with Ceballos not even in the midfield three and pushing even further up against different teams. I don't know. Um, but I think Xhaka and party feels like a a nice double pivot i think i think jacker has the they both have f- good physical qualities they both feel like they can they've got a decent range of passing i think if if um if jacker can be played um uh where well, he doesn't have to use his right foot as much i think he's he's really he's really <laughs> that's that will be great <laughs> yeah he's he's good kind of i think a party's right footed right um yeah but yeah you know where where jacker doesn't have to be played where his pressure is going to be put on that right foot. I think he can dictate tempo a bit more. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's exciting to see how this unlocks the players around him because it, he is Definitely. he will be such an integral part of um, of that team and and it's 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 really it's really exciting. Yeah, massively. And you just got to look at the Liverpool match where they were uh, they were shutting down Jacker's left foot and they were pressing yeah. him onto his right foot. If we have a player that can place things like lobbed through balls or switches to the right flank on his right foot, 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 then, you know, it it just means that that midfield is more coherent and there's more balance to it, which I I think is only going to make us a better footballing outfit. Okay, Bradley. Okay. We had a giveaway this week. We did. Of a brand new Thomas Party 18 top. Blech. The time... Disgusting. The time has come to announce the winner. Ooh. It was an elaborate process involving my housemates picking a number uh, and all sorts of weird voodoo. Uh, but we finally got a name. That name is... Mel Sutton. Hey. That is at Sutton One Mel. Mel Sutton, you've won yourself a brand new Thomas Party 18 top. Lucky you. I will be in contact with you very shortly and we'll discuss how I'm going to get that to you. But congratulations. Uh, there'll be future giveaways. Uh, keep your eyes there'll peeled. be all sorts of stuff coming out from us. So keep your eyes peeled. Don't worry if you lost this one. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be around for a while, so uh, there'll be there'll be more stuff. And thank you to everyone that took part. Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, yeah, if you're listening for the first time, hope you've enjoyed. Um, and uh, Mel Sutton, we will be in touch. All right, Brad. Good pod. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, in two days' time, I get my copy of Arsene Wenger. My life in red and white. I'm going to go pick it up from Waterstones the day it comes out. I've not pre-ordered it, but I'm just going to go pick one oh, up. Good boy. I'm excited, man. I think I, I've i only seen like little bits of it, but I think uh, in terms of what's, what's come out about it, but um, I think he hasn't mentioned Jose Mourinho, which I love. Yeah. Um, Fuck Jose. I've heard that he's just completely completely ignored the subject, uh, which is which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I, I like, I'm, I'm hoping there's some mad insights. Like I'm hoping there's some, you remember this thing that was because of this and remember this thing that I think there was a question. Apparently he discusses the hijack of the Ronaldo transfer by Man United. Oh yeah. 
Here we go. Which I love be, that shit. I yeah. love it. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. And I think he's such an intelligent man who knows so much. I feel like he knows so much about life and philosophy and like a lot of things that reading this it's not just gonna be like a Jimmy Bullard. I kicked a ball once for a professional football team. Basically, became a footballer, and then now here I am. <laughs> and also, I'm, I'm, I, I, Jimmy Bullard was just the first footballer that came to my head. I'm sorry, Jimmy, I've not actually read your autobiography. <laughs> Very random. But um, yeah, I feel like this is actually going to be an interesting read, like a proper page turner. Yeah, that I can't, I can't wait for. Yeah, like it'll be really well written, uh, and um, I think it's also interesting because it's like. It kind of makes me like looking back, and you'll you'll hear stories, and you'll hear things that have happened, and you go, "Oh, that makes sense." Okay, and it kind of makes me want to know more about stuff now because you know there's always more going on, like the Alwar deal with with his brother, the rumors, like all that sort of stuff. You just go, mm-hmm. oh, "I'd fucking love to know. I'd love to know yeah. what actually happened, what like, what actually went down with everything." It's good that I like football, considering I host a podcast. Yeah, just um, just go and just go and work for Arsenal, mate, and you'll find out. This is the thing. So, Brad, how do we get ourselves into Arsenal? Shall I go undercover? Yeah, could you could you train to be a football player and like maybe maybe revive that goalie career? <laughs> revive the goalie career. We, let, Sign and be the backup third choice. Matt Macy's going soon, so you, you know you never know. The spot's opening up, lads. Listen, <laughs> I think England won, by the way. Did they? That's a surprise. Yeah, I think it was 2-1. Oh, Mason Mount, Gareth Southgate's creaming in his pants. Uh, honestly, he's playing like seven right backs tonight. What the fuck is that man doing in the England job? All right, brothers, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks, mate. It's been a good one. It's been a good one. I'm still annoyed about that guy who t- was trying to swindle me, Brad. Fuming. Fuming. Uh, all right. Send the aggressive email. Right, I'll, I'll send you a copy. Uh, all right, uh, we will be back with you on Thursday. But until then, enjoy whatever shit show happens with Arsenal. Till then, there'll be something, won't there? Of course there will. Of course there will. Something will come something. out. <laughs> all right, Brad. Pleasure. Right. Pleasure, mate. See you later. Yeah, but Gary, you, you know, you look at Sadio Mane. You look, you look at Mo Salah. You know, he, he's not at that level. You know, you look back at Liverpool teams of old, and you know, he, he's not there. Well, Cristiano was absolutely fantastic. What a boy. Great player. He never quite surpassed Phil Jones, but what a player. Absolutely terrific. Absolutely fantastic. Well, you're a wonderful guy with wonderful technique, wonderful vision, great character, but you don't have any legs, so it could be hard to play football. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, you know, I've been at Burnley for 47 years now, and, uh, you know, I must have done about 3,000 press conferences. Roughly speaking. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, great to get the, the three points today. But, uh, you know, it's important to keep this going. You know, we got Fabio Barini. Yeah, of course. We'll be fine. Hello. I am Una Emery. I used to manage Arsenal. I wanted to be protagonist. But I guess I am now Una Emery. Good evening. Hello. I am uh, Pep Guardiola. I am uh, manager of uh, Manchester City. We are good. But uh, to be a top, 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 top team, you have to score the fucking goals, guys. Well, we'll get Crouchy. You know, we'll get Crouchy back. You know, he's a fantastic, terrific player. What a guy, what a guy. You know, Bobby Zamora. Bobby Zamora, fantastic player. Nico Crenshaw, you know, they all work with some fantastic players. Well, the game's gone soft. It's gone soft. They're saying that players sleep now. Never do that in my day. Never do that when I played. Never. Game's gone soft. It's two yards, man. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. If you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content, check us out on Patreon and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.